I'm uh, station manager Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Jane, you ignorant slut. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. 3-605.10.20.22.24.26.50.70.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.
Bilko runs everything. Now Bilko is a con man. He'll take your money. This is all within the first five minutes. We have to do this because, as I said before, we have to set up the character because it's not needed for people who know who Sergeant Bilko is, but people who don't know who Sergeant Bilko is. We need to set this character up. We've had a couple of small uh, exposition dumps. We're going to get another one. Wally walks into the motor pool. That's where he's assigned. That's where Sergeant Bilko, Sergeant Bilko runs the motor pool. And there is this big soldier called Doberman. He's in a tug of war with a horse. And there's all these people around and all these people are betting. He's running illegal betting on this. So within the first, it's not even five, it's not even 10 minutes, a little over five, between five and 10 minutes, you get all these exposition dumps Sergeant Bilko is a con man. Sergeant Bilko is running this camp. Sergeant Bilko is this. Sergeant Bilko is a gambling genius, is what we're trying to get. And Sergeant Bilko runs this. So we get all that out of the way, all within the first five minutes. And we see how he manipulates people. The guy with the horse, he loses. And Sergeant Bilko's like, I'm not putting my man through that again. And you can see, and, and knowing who Sergeant Bilko is, I knew that he's setting up these other guys to increase the bet so this guy can win. And that's exactly what happens. He's also a con man. So he cons the other guys into betting their money on a sure thing. Wally's introduced to everybody. And it's a standard, it's, it's another really odd where, we, where Sergeant Bilko just introduces Wally to all the main characters at the base. This is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. It's a very quick, it's a very neat way for us to be introduced to all the characters that we need to know in this movie. None of them are really that important. They all have minor roles, but now we know who they all are. Then we get the standard, Wally is the straight-laced, and, the guy, and these guys are all lazy con men, and the butting of the heads of that. And... You can see, once again, you can see the jokes coming. It's like by the end of this picture, the straight and narrow is going to be part of these of these guys. Which, spoiler alert, which happened. This is a very standard step-by-step-by-step step 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 movie. There's nothing new in this movie. And I'm actually going to comment on a lot of things which they borrowed from similar movies to this. Much better movies than this. And I guess if you're going to steal, you're going to steal from something that's better than what you're putting out. We cut to Steve Martin wandering around. And, and Steve Martin does the fast, he's doing the fast Bilko talk. And quite honestly, I believe Dan Aykroyd, he's, Steve Martin is actually doing a poor Dan Aykroyd doing Phil Silvers. If anybody could pull off the Phil Silvers cadence and the Phil Silvers attitude as Sergeant Bilko, I, I believe Dan Aykroyd would have been a better choice for that. But my opinion. So we're going with Steve Martin. So Steve Martin's walking around the motor pool. And he's he has to remember something. And he's forgotten that he's getting married today. And this is a subplot which is not in the original television series. In the television series, there's no woman in Bilko's life. It's all about gambling. It's all about hustling. So this is an update for the 90s. We're adding a romantic undercurrent in this movie. Which I don't believe is needed. Steve Martin races to the church. He's late. His bride is sitting out there. And from the exchange between them, he's obviously done this again and again and again. I've never understood this. This is once again a movie where a woman 
is attracted to a low-life slime bag con man who lets him walk all over her and she's still in love with him and she still wants to marry him these are the messages that we get in the movies poor messages for men and women messages for women like they have to put up with this and messages to men like well i can treat women like this because they're still going to be around poor messages from both ends in my opinion we're going back to the uh to the camp and as we're as we're heading back to the camp we cut to a scene with Dan Aykroyd, and the camp was in charge of producing a hover tank. This is a tank that floats on water and can shoot targets. Steve Martin arrives back in camp, and this is, once again, this movie is full of just force-feeding you exposition. Well, they do it through a flash, but they do it through a voiceover and a flashback. We hear that there's this big guy coming from the Pentagon. And then after we hear that there's a big guy coming from the Pentagon, for some reason, Steve Martin just tells a story about this old guy that used to be at an old camp that he was at, uh, Major Thorne, played by Phil Hartman. And he regales him with the story of how this guy was a hard ass and he was always riding him and he wouldn't let him get away with anything. We are, we're, we're seeing, and this is something that bothers me in real life and in movies, Phil Hartman in this is playing it by the book. He's playing it military. Steve Martin is trying to get away with stuff. But we villainize at this point, when it gets later, but at this point we villainize Phil Hartman for doing the right thing and we cheer Steve Martin for doing the wrong thing. I'm going to stop again and want to do a comparison. When you saw it in the TV show in the 50s, he was a Phil Silver's never really conned anybody that didn't deserve it he would always con con men so that's what his redeeming quality he saw if somebody was a, a rube or somebody didn't know what was going on he would leave them alone not really the case here uh, with steve martin because at this point in his at this point in his life in his career this guy thorn was just doing his duty he wasn't he wasn't doing anything personally against steve martin against Sergeant Billico, only to get him to grab him, you know, just to buck up and be a soldier. There was a huge fight at their old base. Steve Martin fixes the fight. Long story short, Steve Martin fixes the fight, but it looks like Phil Hartman fixed the fight. Phil Hartman gets shipped off to, shipped off to Greenland. And this is, once again, this is the first comparison of movies that have come before it. This is almost exactly like the ending of Stripes when the John Larroquette character gets shipped off to Greenland. It's almost the exact same thing. A hoodie with a, in front of an igloo. Almost the exact same thing. This is example number one of taking from a movie in the same vein. Stripes. Number two. Comparison number two. We cut to Reveille. And we cut to the barracks. And they pan to the barracks and everybody is just passed out and they're drinking they don't know where they're at and this is another comparison of two movies actually one is stripes where they pan and all the soldiers are passed out because they stayed up all night training another one is animal house so it's a combination of stripes and animal house where these guys have partied so hard and all these army people are just passed out when you if you've seen those movies and you see this movie you can't help but make the comparison this movie is borrowing heavily on movies that have involved the same creative minds and the same genre. 
borrows borrows heavily from it. And uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of sight gag. One's one doesn't hold up at all, and one is one one is very very relevant. The first one you cut to Sergeant Bilko, who's in his room, and you pan up, and there is an autographed picture of Robin Leach. Robin Leach, for those of you who don't know, was the host of the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Robin Leach, you mention Robin Leach's name now, nobody's gonna know. Robin Leach is gone. He has fallen off the face of the earth. So that is a sight gag that has not held up. Now, Phil Hartman has arrived. Phil Hartman was the guy from the Pentagon, as we suspected. He's here to see the test of the hover tank. Dan Aykroyd greets them. I must say, it was nice to see Phil Hartman. I miss Phil Hartman. I thought Phil Hartman was a great talent. He didn't do a lot of movies. Most of his stuff was in television. But he... Actually, he didn't have a lot of starring roles. He did a lot of bit parts in movies. But this was one of the few starring roles he did in a movie. I appreciate it. I like seeing him. That was very nostalgic, and that was very nice for me. Seeing him with Dan Aykroyd. I believe Dan Aykroyd, Phil Hartman, and Dana Carvey were the three best impressionists in the in the history of Saturday Night Live. So, see, so seeing two of the best impressionists together, that was nice to see. We cut to the test of the hover tank. The hover tank test fails, and once again, there's another comparison. In Animal House, where we see the float just run into the bleachers, this is what happened with the hover tank. The hover tank goes haywire, and it crushes the bleachers, almost exactly like the scene out of Animal House. I believe the people who made this movie watched Stripes and Animal House right before they wrote and made this movie. Because there are tons and tons and tons of comparisons. Tons of scenes that are exactly like the scenes we've seen before. Hubbardcraft is a failure. Phil Hartman is talking to Dan Aykroyd saying, It's a failure. We're probably going to have to close Camp Baxter, Fort Baxter. Dan Aykroyd lets it slip that Bilko is on the, is on the base. Phil Hartman hears Bilko's name and he's now he's engaged. Now he wants to stay. We cut to Steve Martin. He's now playing golf around the fort. And I'm going to make another comparison. This is much like the scene in Animal House. Sorry, but it's another scene in Animal House where Boone and Otter are hitting golf balls throughout the campus. And they're crashing through windows and they're hitting people on the head. The exact same bit happens in this movie. Once again, very, very similar to a movie in the same vein as this movie. While he's playing golf, Major Thorne, Phil Hartman, comes up. And starts being really, really nice to Sergeant Bilko. Starts telling him it was the best thing in his life that he got transferred to Greenland. It was the best thing in his life. Now he's a different person. And being a con man, Sergeant Bilko sees this immediately. And once Major Thorne leaves, Sergeant Bilko goes rushing back to the barracks. He's telling everybody, we got to cancel everything. He knows what kind of person this Phil Hartman is. He knows what's behind the eyes. He knows the evil, so to speak. He also knows that he screwed them and that he's out to get them. We get back to the barracks and they're playing roller hockey in the barracks. And we see Dan Aykroyd and Phil Hartman. They're coming around. They're going to inspect the barracks. Surprise inspection. What is Steve Martin going to do? His, his barracks are a wreck. They're playing, you know, they're playing hockey in there. They realize that the, the troop in the barracks next to them are out on maneuvers. So they switch signs, they do the old switch sign, and now now their barracks are the barracks of the people who take care of their barracks. Dan Aykroyd sees the signs, and I, like I said, I'm a little confused. Sometimes Dan Aykroyd knows 
what's going on and sometimes he doesn't know what's going on as this character as the colonel who's quote unquote running running the fort so he's a bit confused but i'm guessing he doesn't want to look confused in front of major thorn so they go into the barracks where sergeant vilco is conducting a glee club all of his troopers are singing and we're going to see and we're going to have a joke once again when you can see a joke coming it's not going to be funny and I saw this joke coming, and I believe anybody who knows movies will see this joke coming. So they're in a strange barracks, trying to pass these barracks off as their own. Phil Hartman says, we're going to do a snap inspection. Everybody stand in front of their rooms. I immediately think, okay, well, this is the 90s. There's women in these barracks. Somebody is going to get caught wearing ladies' underwear. And that is exactly what happens. One soldier is standing in front of a room. They go through... There's a bra and panties and high heel shoes. And this was right at the beginning of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And the joke is, uh, do these belong to you? As he's holding these panties up in front of his face. And, and then the soldier says, it's my understanding that you can't ask me those questions anymore. That was a joke. Not really a joke. You saw the joke. Not a funny joke. I'll say, I've said this before and I'll say this again. You can't broadcast a joke that far in advance because everybody who knows sees it's coming and everybody who knows is not going to laugh. We cut to a school. Rita, Sergeant Bilko's fiance, is a teacher at the school. And they're doing a scene. And the scene is an exact duplicate of what happened at the church. It's a guys and dolls. They're, they're doing a scene from guys and dolls. And the woman says nobody the woman says no woman should be engaged for 12 years and then she breaks character and talks to Rita who's directing this play saying wouldn't a, and this little girl this little girl crystallizes everything out of the mouths of babes this little girl crystallizes is saying doesn't this lady have any self-esteem why would she wait for a man who keeps putting her off and putting her off and putting her off and once again Sergeant Bilko walks in and cons the kids, saying no matter how slippery or know how slimy a guy is, one thing he'll never lie about is his love for a woman, which is bullshit. I'm sorry. That if somebody is slippery and slimy in one aspect of life, there's no reason to say he wouldn't be slippery and slimy in another aspect of life. That is why I think in the 50s they didn't give Bilko a girlfriend because they knew it wouldn't work because people would not be rooting for him to have a girlfriend because they'd be afraid that he would do something sneaky to her. So in the 50s, in the TV show, it was just the gambling, in my opinion. The kids leave. Rita gives him an ultimatum. Marry me in 30 days. 30 days. He's going to change in 30 days. Marry me in 30 days. He takes it as a challenge. He takes it as a game. And he says, you know what? Come with me to the Rusty Spur. That's their hangout, the Rusty Spur. A country bar. Up to this point, nobody has shown any desire. They've just been playing rock and roll music through the whole camp. Nobody has shown any desire to listen to country music. All of a sudden, their their hangout is a country bar. Because Travis Tritt is playing in the country bar. I guess they got Travis Tritt for a day. And they're like, okay, well, if we got Travis Tritt, we got to make it a country bar. They're going to go to this country bar later. We cut back to the camp. Phil Hartman has called in two accountants. Now it's Phil Hartman's quest in life. He is going to get back at Bilko no matter what. And he knows Bilko is a con man, so he's called in two accountants from the Pentagon. And he's like, I want you to find something on Bilko. So their job 
is they're going to go over a fine-tooth comb with all the books in the mortar pool. Dan Aykroyd finds out about this, and Dan Aykroyd tells Sergeant Bilko about this. Once again, it's a bit of ambiguity. Does Dan Aykroyd like Sergeant Bilko, or is Dan Aykroyd fed up with Sergeant Bilko? We get both of those in this movie. Well, at this point, he's on his side. He gives Steve Martin, Sergeant Bilko, the, the heads up. They're out, they're, they're out to find something. If you have anything to hide, hide it. If you have to get rid of something, get rid of it. He gives him the heads up. Sergeant Bilko is not worried about this, and we cut to him taking Rita to the Rusty Spur. We walk in, it's a full shit-kicking country bar. Totally out of place in what we've seen so far in the movie. This comes, this country bar comes totally out of nowhere. And nobody's, well, there's a few, but most people are not dressed in country outfits. But they're not dressed in their army fatigues. Some are dressed in their army fatigues, some are dressed in their regular clothes. There's no country people in this country bar. Really, really odd. Wally is there. Wally sees the girl of his dreams on a dance floor. Sergeant Bilko showing what the con man he is, how he can manipulate women, gets the woman of Wally's dreams to get rid of the guy that she's with and starts talking to Wally. Why does this happen? I don't know. Because she is never seen again in this movie. It just shows us that not only can Steve Martin manipulate men, he can also manipulate women. Three officers from the fort come walking in, the ones who are making the uh, hover tank. They come walking in, and they see Bilko there, and they start talking to them. They start talking to each other, and they say, well, we've moved our poker game to here. And once Sergeant Bilko hears poker game, his ears perk up, and he totally forgets about his woman. So once again, we see him treating his woman like crap. This is supposed to be endearing, but it's not. If this was real life, it would nobody would put up with this as long as they did. This is I guess this is supposed to be the character arc he realizes but it's just awful it's just the way it's just awful the way he treats this woman he hears that there's a poker game and he pretends he doesn't play poker which is i don't understand these three guys are at the camp sergeant bilko runs that camp the fact that they don't know that he's a card shark that's a plot hole right there you're telling me that they don't know that sergeant bilko knows how to play cards we cut to the poker game. Sergeant Bilko is just wiping the floor with him. Phil Hartman shows up. Phil Hartman followed him to the Rusty Spur. And he walks in, and he sees Steve Martin's girlfriend, Rita, by herself. Part of his plan is not as he's only going to get some dirt on Sergeant Bilko. He's also going to steal his woman. Phil Hartman finds Steve Martin and tells him and his gang, get back to the fort. He kicks them all out of the bar, and then he starts to... Now he starts to manipulate... Steve Martin's girlfriend. He's not in love with her, but he's pretending to like her just because he is he's after Steve Martin. So this poor woman in this movie is just getting treated like dirt from all men. Now, fortunately, she realizes that Phil Hartman is just after her to get back at Steve Martin. We don't know this at first, but she she knows this. But it's just another it's just another horrible way a man treats a woman in this movie we cut to the next day and now phil hartman is making steve martin's men run through they're gonna go through the obstacle course i'm taking this again stripes this is an uh, this is another exact lift from stripes the obstacle course in stripes a, almost a direct take because the character doberman in this movie is a big fat soldier 
And he does almost the exact same thing John Candy did in Stripes, who played a big fat soldier. It's almost beat for beat. Not not nothing original here. You know, they do the cadence when they talk, you know. They they do that in this movie. Direct lift from stripes. An army movie made by people in the same in the same world. I'm sorry it's getting monotonous, but when you see the stuff in the movie, you have to point it out. This is not original stuff that they're doing. This is the stuff rehashed from better movies. I would say, I would definitely say, watch Stripes and watch Animal House before you watch this movie. We're back from the obstacle course, and Sergeant Bill Co. <laughs> now, this is where I mentioned earlier the picture of Robin Leach, which is totally doesn't hold up, which is totally obscure at this point. We see Sergeant Bilko crash on his bed, and on a picture next to his bed, it's a signed picture of Donald Trump with, I believe, his second wife, Marla Maples, or maybe it was Ivanka, maybe not Ivanka, uh, and his first wife. So to me, that was the most jaw-dropping part of the movie is on his, on his dresser is a signed picture of Donald Trump. Sergeant Bilko has a signed picture of our president on his nightstand. <laughs> we cut to Phil Hartman on a date with Rita. We think Phil Hartman is manipulating Rita to get it to get at Sergeant Bilko. In reality, it's Rita manipulating Phil Hartman to get back at Steve Martin. So both of them are used, trying to use each other to get back at Steve Martin. These are real, real healthy relationships we have in this movie. Everybody is using somebody for something else. We cut to a scene where we're introduced to Dan Aykroyd's wife in the movie. And uh, once again, Steve Martin manipulates her, calls her Sharon Stone. It's a sickness at this point, I think, where he just has to, he has to be phony with every single person he meets. It's, it's got to be some sort of sickness. If this person was in real life, you, just, you couldn't trust this person as far as you could throw them. Dan Aykroyd tells Steve Martin that he is going on maneuvers... And those maneuvers are right outside of Vegas. The troop is now in Vegas. All of his soldiers are now in Vegas. We see him pull up in a tank and valet park a tank. Which is exact same scene as in uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 where Eddie Murphy valet parks a cement mixer. Same, you know, same sort of genre, same sort of comedians. Once again, a comparison to a movie. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Beverly Hills Cop 1 is a, a classic, and I think Beverly Hills Cop 2 is very, very good. At least they didn't steal from the classic, but they sold from the sequel to the classic. Now we're cutting between Vegas and the camp. Phil Hartman manipulated Dan Aykroyd to get Sergeant Bilko and his troop out of camp so he and his accountants could crack the computers, and that's what we do. So we, we cut between the camp cutting into, you know, the computers, the craps table, the computers, the blackjack. They finally get into the computer. After they get into the computer, Phil Hartman tells the two accountants to go. They did a great job. And now Phil Hartman makes it look like Sergeant Bilko diverted all the funds from the hover tank into his own personal account. He had all this real evidence this is what I don't understand. He had all this real evidence against Bilko, which he could have used against Bilko. 
and would have been damaging to Bilko. He erases all that and he makes up something that will later be disproved. So instead of using the real evidence, he had those accountants there. Those accountants could have verified all the shenanigans that were going on. He dismisses them, he erases the evidence, and he makes up his own evidence. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Phil Hartman, Major Thorne, just shot himself in the foot by doing that. Makes, makes, makes no sense. We cut again to Rita and Phil Hartman. He proposes to her a fake proposal just to hurt Bill Coe. At this point, we realize that she is just using Phil Hartman to make Bill Coe jealous because she call, she has somebody call Vegas and tell Bill Coe that she's going out with Phil Hartman and she wants to see how much she loves him. If he's, It's just all very, it's a very, very unhealthy relationship. Instead of just saying, I don't want you in Vegas, I want you here with me to marry me, she's going through all this rigmarole by pretending to date somebody else and bringing somebody else in to tell on her. Very, very, un very, very unhealthy relationship. But it works. He gets jealous and he comes home. But the game is not over. He knows that she is dating Phil Hartman, so what does he do? He goes on a date to the exact same restaurant she's at with a quote-unquote hot babe. You see this joke coming. Whenever you see a woman film from the back and you never see her face, chances are it's going to be a guy in drag, and that's exactly what it was. I wrote in my notes right before the reveal, that's one of his soldiers in a wig. That's exactly what it was. Now we cut to Phil Hartman telling Dan Aykroyd, that he found this evidence against Bilko. Bilko was diverting funds from the hover tank. We could court-martial him, but I think we should transfer him to Greenland. His whole plan is to get him transferred to Greenland and not put in jail, which I think is much worse than being transferred to Greenland. I don't know. I've never been to Greenland. I guess I'd rather be free in Greenland than in jail in America. We see Sergeant Bilko get his transfer papers to Greenland. Then we get this scene in front of his troops where he comes busting in and everybody thinks that Sergeant Bilko is a genius and he's going to find his way out of this. And they're all saying to each other, he's going to find his way out of this, he's going to find his way out of this. And he does a rambling, rambling speech and they're like, oh, he doesn't know his way out of this. Well, Wally, what did I say before? Wally. The straight and narrow. He has come up with a plan. If they make the hovercraft look like it works, that means that Sergeant Bilko didn't divert funds and it was all a lie. All they have to do is make the hover tank look like it works. Part of the plan is they have to let Phil Hartman know that Wally is able, might be able to fix the hover tank. That puts part of the plan in action. The other part of the plan in the action is to get Phil Hartman to say if the hover tank works, they won't transfer Steve Martin. And there's a scene where this happens, where Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd have a scene together. That is the most enjoyable part of the movie to me, seeing these two old pros. They play off of each other very, very well. You can tell that they like each other. You can tell that they're having fun doing this scene. So seeing that... 
seeing the old, seeing Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd go head to head in a scene that was very very nice. That was the high point, the high point of the movie for me. Phil Hartman falls for it. He falls for it. So what he does is he sneaks in and he sabotages the tank. He takes the firing mechanism out of the tank, which is going to come into play, which was part of the plan. They've called in the Pentagon. There's generals here now to look at this. And we get the Dan Aykroyd speech. I didn't think we were going to get this in this movie, but we get the Dan Aykroyd speech. Dan Aykroyd gives the speech about the hover tank and, you know, U.S. ingenuity and I love the Dan Aykroyd speech. In every movie I've reviewed so far in there, we get the Dan Aykroyd speech. Very succinct, very crisp, very, very patriotic, very, very American. I love the Dan Aykroyd speech. And we get that in this movie. They have set it up where the tank works. Where they fire a flamethrower through the, through the barrel of the gun, and then they, they have put explosives on the targets. So they've set it up. It looks like the hover tank works. I want to say this. The CGI for the hover tank is a little bit sketchy. 1996, CGI is not where it is today. So it was a little bit sketchy watching the hover tank hover over water. Then we get to the reveal. And this is this is taken from a few good men. Where, where Tom Cruise gets Jack Nicholson to admit what he did in front of everybody to make him look guilty. That's exactly what they do. They This is a page out of A Few Good Men, another army movie, where everybody thinks that the hover tank, it's a success, but Phil Hartman knows it can't be a success because he has the firing panel, and he yells out and everybody, how could it work if I had the firing panel? I took it out last night, blah, 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 blah. Everybody looks at him. And cut. He's back to Greenland. So he gets back to Greenland. That's the end of Phil Hartman in this movie. Sort of an abrupt ending to the character in the movie. But once again, you saw it coming. You saw his face. It's like, oh, he's going to blow it. He's going to say that he sabotaged it. I don't know how that gets everybody else off the hook. But it gets, but it gets everybody else off the hook. We cut to outside of Rita's window. And Rita is just about to mark off the 30th day on her calendar. He hasn't proposed on the 30th day. Right before she can put a line through that 30th day, we start hearing singing outside her window. And the Sergeant Bilko Glee Club is serenading her outside the window. And then we cut to the wedding. And now it's her turn to stand him up. Reversal of fortune. Once again, they're still playing games with each other. Long story short, at the end of the movie, they end up getting married. I really can't see how this works out because both of them are manipulative con people. I, we're just supposed to hope for the best. And that is the end of Sergeant Bilko. And what did I think of Sergeant Bilko? Sergeant Bilko is basically a forgettable movie. You're not going to remember it. I had to do this review right after I saw the movie because I knew if I didn't do it right after it, I'd start to forget. And I'm already starting to forget what happened in the movie. Steve Martin does not capture the Phil Silvers version of Sergeant Bilko. That was a lot more fun. I got this movie in a movie pack with eight other movies, and none of the movie... It was for like $2. That's why I picked it up. Really don't want to see any of the movies on there, so... 
if Sergeant Bilko is on, maybe in the background, I'd have a listen. Just keep it on in the background. But if you're going to sit down and want to enjoy a, a comedy featuring old SNL alumni and Steve Martin, this is not the movie. Uh, go with something like Three Amigos. That's something that's very that's something that holds up, and that's something that's very very funny. Now to Gray Dan Aykroyd's performance. Dan Aykroyd plays second banana in this movie, and he does the best with what he has. He doesn't have a lot to work with. He's the bumbling, fumbling officer in charge of the camp, and the material he he's believable. Let me put it this way: he's believable as the bumbling, fumbling person in charge. As I said, I wasn't sure. Sometimes he was on Sergeant Bilko's side. Sometimes he wasn't. Maybe a little more definitive in his character. But other than that, he did a good job with the material that he had. And this brings us to the end of another Dan Aykroyd podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Keep listening out there. If you like this podcast, please support me on my Patreon page. uh, Patreon.com backslash Scott White. Also check out my videos on my YouTube channel. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, follow me on all that, and I will see you next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast.